you guys. It's Andy's Girls. It's the very last episode of 2023. <laughs> and this is, believe it or not, the, I don't even, I think it's like the seventh or eighth. It's the eighth episode I've recorded in the past week with two more to go before the end of the year. And I honestly am sitting in the cloth having just assembled a little bit of a list because I thought to myself, we truly cannot move into the new beginning that is 2024 without unpacking some crazy Michigas. What I'm going to reference as the highs, lows, and you can goes of 2023 because you can leave does not rhyme in that scenario. <laughs> so here we are. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I think we should just honestly hop right to it. it. These are just some moments that I have been thinking about and I just jotted down as a little bit of a sassafras. And um, and so I just wanted to take a moment to celebrate, mourn, and say, um, absolutely, what the fuck? Um, just so you are aware, they will be listed on a post on my social at Instagram. And I'm going to do a little contest where if you comment and tell me your favorite moment or your top moment or what the fuck moment from 2023, I'm going to pick a couple of people and send them my holiday card, which is going to be unveiled this week on Instagram at Dame Galley. So if you're interested in getting one, I've heard from a bunch of people who have received theirs. I am absolutely still mailing them. So I think last year I continued to mail cards until February, which is so inappropriate. Holiday card. Because at that point, you're in Galentine's Day. So, like, what are we even doing with this Mary Jewish? But here we are. So, anyway, if you're, if you have any interest in grabbing one of those puppies, um, there will be a post up on my Instagram that has it all spelled out with this list in case you are interested in, in seeing it on paper and, um, on taking that moment. So, anyway. Lord knows if I continue talking, this episode is going to be 18 hours long. And when I finish, we'll be in 2026. So let's get to it. This was a top 25 list. It became a 30. And then I just looked at it. and I was like, there's no way to get rid of 31. So it's a top 30-ish list. And coming in at number 31, and again, remember highs, lows, and you can goes. Number 31, John Jansen almost and maybe possibly does make me Miss Slade. Now, I know that John Jansen has been compared to Slade, but the thing about it is at least Slade, until he was um, on a reunion episode saying that he had like quit the show and Andy had to remind him, it's not that you quit the show, it's that you stopped dating a housewife. But um, aside from that moment, Slade has obviously enjoyed being on TV. When it comes to John Jansen, it to me feels so much more manipulative to use against your partner, your girlfriend, your uh, romantic plus one, that you don't like, I guess, aspects of her being on TV or really the fact that you might be criticized regardless of whether or not you appear. But from everything Shannon has said and other cast members have said, he certainly enjoyed the trappings of fame, including the facts that he had, I'm sure, um, a healthy amount of uh, Shannon's income to play around with. She's mentioned that other people have just that he enjoyed the lifestyle 
that having a girlfriend on Housewives was able to provide him. And apparently he also really liked being a little bit of a fame whore because word on the street and by street, I mean, Instagram is that he and Alexis are doing this weird cosplay of pretending they're in a romantic relationship, which maybe they are. They very well might be, but obviously they're also fucking with us. And it, to me, has been very successful. I think it has reportedly, allegedly helped uh, Alexis secure an orange on next season, if that is true. It seems likely she will at least be cameoing. And for him, it's just, to me... um, a moment for him to get as much attention as he can. So it turns out this guy who we initially thought was somewhat quiet, he's not great. He's just not great. Not a great guy. And the thing that makes me really sad is the effect that this will have on Shannon next season. Because if you're in a toxic relationship and you break up, the best case scenario is you lose contact with this person and you can move on with your life. But if Alexis is filming the show and she's bringing uh, Johnny Boy with her, that does not bode well for um, poor sweet Shan, who is certainly represented later on on this list. So that's 31. Number 30, Jen Shaw leaves for sleepaway camp. And Lisa Rinna quits Beverly Hills. And don't you forget that it was Rinna's choice, okay? Don't you forget. I mean, we had to kind of combine combine and compile both of these um, into one point. Jen is away on a sabbatical for a couple years, finding herself. And Lisa is, I guess, continuing to block literally anyone that she has ever thought of or not in her life on Instagram, and I'm sure is doing wonderful things. I mean, she's always at like a fashion event, which is fascinating. Her kids are doing great. Um, And I really would love for her to maybe return in a decade or something. We can circle back on that um, and circle back on the scope. But I am truly loving Beverly Hills and the ways that we have moved on. So may their memories, well, I can't really say be a blessing, but may, may their memories, moving on. Number 29, Kim and Croy are tardy for the party because they are, as of this recording, TBD, TBD, getting a divorce. Now, if you have been following the split of Kim and Croy, it's just really, it's not good. It it feels very dark. The amount of times that the authorities have visited their home because of just wild fights, the fact that they're children have at least once called the authorities on their behalf because their parents were fighting so intensely. I remember when their divorce was first announced, and I think the gut instinct for many of us was like, what? It just felt so out of left field. And is this real? Are they definitely breaking up? Is this some play to get back on reality TV? Because obviously their money problems and debt issues and lawsuits have kept piling, piling, piling on. And then as more kind of details emerged and events happened, it just seemed entirely real and entirely sad. It's also something that I truly, truly never expected. I think 2023 has been the year of shocking splits, not only in the Bravo community and Bravo universe, but outside of it. And Kim and Croy to me were, that was a split that I truly, truly, truly didn't see coming. And I don't know where we're going to go from here because it seemed the last time there was an update, they were definitely, definitely over. And then 
And there was like another video that was released of them fighting. And then another video appeared. um, And then another update rather appeared, I think was a social media post of them like going to dinner. So it's just unfortunate. And they can't leave the house and find another space to live. Like one of them can't go because they can't afford that temporary housing. So they have to remain in the house together, albeit in separate quarters mandated by the court. It's just incredibly unfortunate. Um, Moving on to something positive. Coming in at number 28, Kristen Takeman toes the line. An ultimate girl's trip is all the better for it. Now, when many of us heard that Kristen Takeman had been cast on uh, Real Housewives, Ultimate Girls Trip Legacy, New York Legacy again, Ultimate Girls Trip Legacy, New York Legacy, I think there was a certain, huh, that was felt uh, by us, I would assume by Camp Zarin, by somebody screaming at such a high level at Zarin Fabric that no one can hear them but the spirit of Ginger herself. Um, of how is this going to go? I mean, it could work in sort of like an odd couple kind of way. But would she be able to find a place for herself in a cast with like very, very aggressive alpha um, alums? And I think she has more than exceeded expectations. She's been incredible. I do have to say, having watched Saltburn, um, this is not a spoiler. And you guys know how I feel about spoiler culture. But um, having watched Saltburn the night before I watched the most recent episode of Ultimate Girls Trip, I just considered that a little bit of a practice run. I feel like Saltburn prepared me for what we witnessed with Kristen's toe. And while I did not appreciate the amount of time spent on her toe, I think we kind of got a sense of things. The fact that they were doing kind of like a run of show for how her toenail was going to be removed was not ideal. I mean, you know, ER was canceled or not canceled, it ended any, many, many, many years ago. So why are we returning to this? I guess more recently, Grey's Anatomy, which is still a thing. Um, it just was, a, it was a close, it was a close look at uh, what happened with her nail. And also just go, we're going through the rundown of like, and on this day, I felt it soften. <laughs> and then on this day, I was like, this is no good. It was a lot. It was, um, a heavy dose of toenail, but uh, I think she's done a fantastic job on the show. And while I don't know where New York ranks for me, I don't know that I can say it's like my absolute favorite because I just remember season one of Girls Trip just like stopping me in my tracks. I loved it so much. And season two is just its own dark, complicated, comedic, at points, fantasy. Um, I really, really love watching the alums go on a girl's trip. I hope that they do this again. I assume, because I think there's been pretty positive feedback, that something will happen with the legacy cast next, minus Ramona. I don't know if it will be another trip. I don't know if it will be a return to New York. I don't know if it will be both. I don't know what budget Bravo has and how much money they might potentially lose if Morocco does not come to fruition. Um, but I I honestly think we're not done with these women and and seeing these stories in an ensemble space and maybe in a space and in a show that feels special, a la Crappy Lake, like the ability to do a short number of episodes and have the best of both worlds, New York 
new New York OG. I think um, it's been a great season so far. And the most recent episode I get into on Patreon where I unpack uh, the most recent Ultimate Girls Trip and uh, Miami. Um, and I'm just feeling a lot of love for it. I really, really do. It's It um, has been to me incredibly enjoyable. And I think I was honestly really proud of Dorinda this past week. So continuing on number 27, Potomac is technically airing and I love that journey for her. It's on the air. And I love it. I love that it 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 has a schedule and new episodes and then episodes drop and then we watch them and sometimes we talk about them. And I'm proud of that for us. And I think we will be returning to a place of absolute television excellence next season. I actually wouldn't be surprised if the reunion is pretty strong. I think it is pretty likely that there will be some sort of casting adjustment between the current season and next. And so I want to kind of like treasure and appreciate what some of these women are going to deliver at that reunion because I don't know that they're going to be on reunion couches next season. So um, I can't really say kudos to you, but I, you know, love pickles and I love Karen Huger. And so if Karen Huger wants to throw a pickle themed pickleball court uh, lunch, pickleball court lunch, I highly, um, you know, I I just, I, I highly, I feel, I feel good about that. I feel good about that in theory, but not the execution of watching the episode, but it's uh, emotionally, I, I feel very connected to the, I guess, um, summaries maybe of the episodes. Like on this episode, you see this. Maybe I should read some of those summaries uh, in addition to watching the episode. And maybe I'll just post those <laughs> instead of talking about apps for the rest of the season. Oh, listen, who knows what's going to happen? The rest of the season could be amazing. It really, really could. Potomac's having an off season Every franchise has had multiple off seasons, if not multiple terrible seasons. Um, and so I just think, you know, even the best have an off day and an off 15 to 18 episodes. And this is maybe that time and they're going to figure it out because Potomac is just it's it's too big to fail. It's too big to fail. And that's what I love about her. Coming in at number 26, Katie gets her groove back. Now, it's hard for me to remember how I felt about Katie when Pump Rules began, because it has been so long since we were first introduced to Katie Maloney. But I do remember a sense of things maybe during the Stasi era where I was like, hmm, Katie's a kind of a brat. And then we've had some twists and turns and ups and downs. And I realized in watching the most recent season of Vanderpump Rules, a show you may or may not have heard about, that Katie has really come into her own and owned her power, her anger, and her space. And I love to see it. I think there is genuinely something about her. And I think she had a a great season dealing with some incredibly odd dynamics and complications with her divorce from Schwartz and the Raquel now Rachel factor, and obviously um, what happened with the scandal itself. Um, and I'm curious for how next season will go for her. I hope for the best. 
Um, obviously, she and Sandoval have never or not for a while gotten along. So I don't know what interactions they're going to have in the forthcoming season. But I'm I'm curious to see what happens. And um, I'm I honestly feel in a way that like is going to sound odd and annoying, but I'm gonna say it anyway, because it's 2023. So I feel like I have a couple more hours in which to be a dick. It's not even a dick. It's just to like take ownership of this. Maybe it sounds weird, but I just genuinely am proud of her. I really genuinely am proud of her. I don't want that to sound in a way that's like almost controlling, but I, I don't, I think you understand the intention here and hopefully the impact too. I just genuinely feel really proud of her and really proud of her growth. And um, so we'll see what happens next season and, you know, where she's going to be living potentially and how everything is going with her and Ariana, I assume quite well. Will that restaurant, I mean, my God, and it's like an issue with the city and with codes and stuff. I mean, Jesus, just let these women make and sell a couple sandwiches. I mean, Lindsay, number one, first customer in line, would love to see it happen. Um, So here's to that. Cheers to Katie moving on. Coming in at number 25, Larsa Pippen, spiritual oncologist. Now, has there been a moment that made a gal say, huh, as much as Larsa Pippen refusing to acknowledge in any way that she did wrong. I mean, speaking of intent and impact, Larsa is so focused on not understanding that kindergartners, you know, or preschoolers, whatever year she referenced, learning how to apologize was not uh, a moment in which to say, and I will never do this again, or I feel like a child if I am apologizing for unfortunate, and that's saying something, behavior. But when it came to her telling everybody, I mean, it wasn't just her MySpace top eight. It seemed to be everybody in that fucking room about Gertie's cancer diagnosis and taking that away from Gertie at a point in which after being diagnosed with cancer, Gertie is dealing with such a loss of control and the amount of, I'm sure, fear and concern and upset that she is feeling, not just about the diagnosis, but about not knowing what treatment will look like and how this will impact her body, her soul, her family, all of it. For Larsa not to be able to understand the impact of taking that away from Gertie, let alone the fact that she agreed not to tell anyone, and you know she heard it because she made a joke about, LOL, maybe I should call TMZ. She understood she wasn't supposed to tell anyone. There was that moment of them together where Gertie's essentially almost begging her to just like, just apologize so we can let this go. I'm giving you every opportunity, including several you don't deserve to just apologize and her refusing to do it. I really don't know if Larsa is capable of taking responsibility for this because she's so focused on the fact that she means well, that she can't understand that well-meaning isn't the entirety of the story and that someone's well-meaning behavior can still absolutely produce a complicated, upsetting result. Other members of the cast can, but, you know, Larsa has, I think, qualities that I appreciate, especially in how she's talked about um, financial decisions and emotional complications, family dynamics after her divorce from Scotty during their separation and then split, or rather split separation than divorce. And with this, I'm just like, why won't you listen to this? You, you have the capacity to 
understand how to change your behavior, let alone your lifestyle, why can't you just listen to Gertie and respect her pain with your actions? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if she triples down at the reunion. I'm just telling you, I feel like it's going to take Andy maybe yelling at her or something for her to really get it. And maybe she'll start with some sort of canned apology that she doesn't mean. And then when there's a follow-up, the you know, it falls apart. But let's see. To be continued, Madame Larsa, so focused on those toesies, she forgot to think about her heart. I mean, my God. Continuing on, number 24, the Salt Lake City uh, after show is Lisa Barlow's social media. Now, if you have not had the opportunity, the the vision to visit Lisa Barlow on Twitter slash X. What are you even doing with your life? Lisa Barlow's quick responses on episodes and reactions, humor, regardless of whether or not something is um, intended to be funny. There have been any number of housewives who have been credibly accused of not necessarily putting the pen to paper in ways that their byline might suggest, a la um, Teresa, do you know how to spell napalm? And who, in fact, is writing your uh, then, you know, Bravo TV blogs, uh, so asked by Caroline Manzo's daughter, Lauren. And with Lisa, I don't think there has ever been not a single moment where someone has thought, huh, I wonder who's running Lisa Barlow's social. It has always felt unique and specific to her voice, her mind, the great unknown in all of the ways that count. And I love it. It doesn't make me um, want to, you know, like tweet or X or whatever it is that those crazy kids are calling it over at Robot Car HQ. But I, I just really, I appreciate it. I appreciate someone who... Um, maybe has no choice but to own herself. She really does, in the words of the recently departed Lisa Renna, own it. And I love it. From one Lisa to another, look at a generational, um, not a generational curse, but a generational trend <laughs> to communicate from Lisa of Lisa's past to Lisa of Lisa's present and certainly future. Shout out to Madame Barlow. And has anybody tried Vita? I need to get my hands on it. I really do. I need it for the Clawfus. I need it for the Clawfus post haste. Um, and Salt Lake City, I mean, obviously having an incredible season. So God only knows what Lisa Barlow's Twitter is going to look like when the uh, finale airs. But I'm going to keep a keen eye on checking that out. Continuing on, number 23, the Real Housewives of Orange County finally breaks their one and done casting curse. God bless. Jen, 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 Jen. Jen joining the show as Tamara rejoined the cast, set up a dynamic, an energy, a vision for Orange County that to me was honestly sublime. There was a passion to episodes, a humor to episodes, an intensity to episodes. I would assume that this upcoming season is going to continue on that trajectory because I feel like the cast at least last season, and we are missing some um, friends of who allegedly are not going to be back, which is a big loss. But this past season, including those friends of, felt like it was on the right path in a way that did not seem possible in the last several years. And Orange County should thrive. They are the first. They are, for many of us, the gateway into becoming Bravoholics. And 
there was something that felt so delightful about looking forward to Orange County episodes. Honestly, this is an odd comparison. And I know that like Vanderpump Rules, obviously must see TV. And there are other shows that I look forward to. But there was something about Orange County this past season and current Southern charm where I just think to myself, I can't wait to see what happens next. And I thought it was really vibrant and really fun. And shout out to Jen and her weird bedazzled jean jacket boyfriend. And we'll see what happens with Ryan next season. Um, I just thought it was a great, it was a great, great, great casting choice. It was a great casting move, and I'm happy it happened. Coming in at number 22, Lisa Hochstein. Hochstein, Hochstein potato potato let's call it off like her marriage to Lenny drives a Honda to cosplay sound financial decision making now I know this was something that like people were like oh my god queen stan I get that maybe it's because I wasn't paying a hundred percent attention <laughs> when I watched the episode and because I didn't watch it live I had I knew that the moment was going to happen so I I honestly blame myself for not being like oh my god lol but I it was it was good. It was like a fun, I guess, move. I just didn't. I was like, all right. So you're pretending, I guess, or making it into an LOL. The fact that like you maybe should focus on financial independence or moving away from financial dependence. I know she's working on her fragrance and that is wonderful. But also, what are we doing day to day? Like, how are we tracking um, our quality of life and how that aligns with Amex. Um, so the fact that she took her housekeeper's Honda to be like, I'm listening. I get it. I, I do wonder what she said to the housekeeper. Um, can I borrow your car to film it? Do we think she even mentioned the second half of that sentence? Or do we think she just said, I need to borrow your Honda to understand how others live? I, I don't know. I'm not quite sure. I would be curious how the um, housekeeper felt about <laughs> that decision. Um, So Lisa, I mean, listen, I love Lisa Hochstein. I really do. And Miami is incredible and having another excellent season. So I don't want to like drag Lisa for this. I just was like, okay, well, this is a moment. (laughs) I, I honestly really do wish that I had watched it live. Maybe this is a little bit of a a little bit of a note to self. Maybe my resolution for 2024 is to like maybe watch episodes live, maybe possibly. I do know I'm going to have to watch the Salt Lake City finale live. That's like, I'm clearing my schedule that night. I might just stare at the TV while turned off for three hours before and just do a countdown. Like I know there's a New Year's Eve countdown, but my countdown is what that finale is going to look like. And also, my God, the reunion trailer. When will we get it? And how many times can I watch it? That might need to be a live. Re- I did a live reaction, like a 45 or 50 minute live reaction to the VPR trailer, which I finally watched. That's up on the AG Patreon. I almost want to do an uh, a live reaction to the um, Salt Lake trailer because I think the reunion is going to be absolutely nuts. So we'll see what happens there. Continuing on, coming in at number 21. Jenna Judith Lyons, America's sweetheart, unless she doesn't return season two, in which case dot dot dot. Now, I remember talking to sweet, sweet Jenna at the um, premiere party for the New York reboot. And she said something along the lines of like, essentially, the fact that she said she was a dud on the season. And I 
I don't know that she felt that way. Maybe she did. Maybe she really did think I'm going to be a flop because there were moments in which I felt alienated from the cast and I just feel so different in how I communicate, represent myself and everything else than everyone else I'm filming with. Like, that's entirely possible. But wow, did the viewer response certainly, I assume, surprise her and surprised many of us. I I remember when she was first cast thinking to myself, like, how the fuck did this happen? Because she's such a big name, genuinely has had a huge, huge impact on fashion, on culture. And how is this going to work out? Because will she kind of like stick out like a sore thumb if the rest of the cast is just so drastically different? And it really, really worked. My concern is she's really not going to be back. I think if Jenna really appreciated and was interested in returning to season two and what that would mean for the Bravo community, I think she would have attended BravoCon. I think the fact that she didn't go to BravoCon, she's signing all these other business deals, is a little bit of an indicator that like she doesn't, not not only does she not feel like she needs to, I don't know, pay respect or honor <laughs> the Bravo community, which I'm saying with like a little bit of a chuckle, but I do also mean, um, not only that, but also the jokes that she made in press and media about the fact that she had like had to like go wash her hair or whatever. Um, it just to me was not a great indicator that uh, she had an interest in returning. Because I think if she had an interest in returning, she would go to BravoCon. She'd want to talk about the most recent season. She'd want to tease out what the vibe might be for the season to come. I think she would understand the value of BravoCon, which I don't know what housewives are paid, if anything. Honestly, I assume that like their glam is paid for, but I don't even know how many plus ones they get, if any. They're certainly not going to BravoCon to make like a special appearance fee, like what they would make if they did a collab with a company or or their own special event. But it's connected to the Bravo spirit. And it's I mean, it's an opportunity to be a part of this big communal event. If you have no interest in returning, she might feel like, why would I want to continue talking about the show? I've moved on to other things. And that kind of makes me sad. But she might be back. She also could be back in a smaller role. Like maybe she'll return as a friend of. I'll take a friend friend of Jenna Judith. I just would prefer full time. But I mean, watch what happens. We will see. It's a, it's, it is genuinely a little bit of a to be continued. It makes me wonder what, if any, other casting decisions are going to happen. I feel like I remember Aaron maybe or maybe Sai saying in an interview that um, they were told that another housewife is being cast, that like another new person is joining the cast. So who knows? Who knows if that's just to add a person to the cast, which I think is a good move. If that's to add a person to the cast because Jenna's no longer going to be on it, I have no idea. But I hope she's back. I really do. And I wouldn't want any other casting changes. I do think adding on, though, is very smart regardless of her employment status. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. Just ask 
Sonia trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is looking for Dorenda on the Upper East Side. Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Paris is always a good idea. And when I schlep on over to Europe to my favorite city in the world, I bring with me a few important phrases that I have learned from housewives. C'est bon, c'est bon. Chic, c'est la vie. Je m'appelle the Countess. N'est-ce pas, Luan? <laughs> and while those key phrases are important when speaking to any French bravoholic for other matters of life, that's where Rosetta Stone comes in. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including, of course, French. It features fast language acquisition. It immerses you in so many ways. There's no English translations. So you really learn to speak, to listen, and to think in that language. It's an intuitive process. You pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. J'adore Chris Manzo. Et toi? There's a speech recognition filter which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's convenient with desktop and app options. And it's an amazing value. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. A steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Today. I just came back from the salon and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. 
I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. They're leaving conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has hormone harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of hormone harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDYSGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code ANDYSGIRLS for 15% off today. I'm engaging. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Roe. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today.
With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom or a maternal figure in your life? Let me tell you about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you want to ask. Then she can either type up her response or record her voice. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I want to know about the stories of how my mom and dad grew up. What's the first thing they remember after they were born? That's one of the questions I sent to my dad after signing up for my life in a book. And I can't think of a greater gift to give my dad in sharing his stories and to receive. It's super easy to use. My favorite part of it, as someone who sometimes lives on turtle time and forgets (laughs) about sending or receiving email, is that they reach out a couple days prior to sending questions just so I know of what questions they're going to send to my dad, if I want to change it for another question or customize it with something that I want to know. It's that kind of specificity and care that I love so much. This is genuinely an incredible, incredible gift. There's no greater present than I could give a family member or a loved one than to participate in this kind of meaningful appreciation for the entirety of their lives, separate from my own. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code ANDYSGIRLS at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom or loved one this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com with code Andy's Girls for 10% off today. And thank the Jills, Aaron, and your life and mine. Coming in at number 20, Bo Deedle is a friend of on Real Housewives of New Jersey. Please don't send security after this joke. The number of times that I've not only heard the name Bo Deedle on RHONJ, but I've thought about him feels sad. Honestly, thinking about security, investigations, adult children who've never participated in the show maybe being harassed, it makes a gal feel queasy about the boundaries being crossed and the lines being crossed on New Jersey. It was just a difficult watch. I thought the third part of the New Jersey reunion was like, infuriating and upsetting to watch. And it felt so heavy and dark. And the fact that the heaviest and darkest part of that reunion was not Melissa and Joe v. Teresa, but like Louie and I guess his surrogate Bo Deedle versus the world. Because oftentimes when we're using the word Bo Deedle, what we mean is like Bo Deedle, who was introduced to this maybe if it was in fact Bo Deedle behind some of this, by Louis himself. I mean, that's not great. 
And um, it made me feel kind of dirty watching it. And I don't know how you give instruction to Louis to be less of himself on the next season. I don't know if we will see him kind of quiet a little bit and maybe less interested in filming. But when you think of Louis, do you think of the kind of guy who's like, let me fade into the background on this? I don't think so. Um, But I actually don't know, going by the reports of what we've heard on New Jersey, I don't know how involved Teresa is in a lot of the points of drama, which is not a bad thing, honestly. Um, Let some other people pick up the slack. So We'll see how her relationship with Louis factors into the upcoming season. And really, to me, honestly, more importantly, his relationship with the rest of the cast factors in. It is kind of odd when you think about Jackie's team switching um, and the fact that if she's close to Teresa, does that mean she and Evan are are close to Louis. When you think about all the rumors about Evan and how that was handled by Teresa and this whole conversation about security stuff and lines being crossed and like children being involved. Hi, Jackie. I don't know. I'm not sure about that decision. Not that she's responsible for Louis's behavior, but she's responsible for her decision to align with Louis if he behaved that way in the past and hopefully hasn't in the present. But I mean, how likely is that that he is able to stop being himself? I don't know. Um, but, you know, I am I am interested to see what happens, noting that I really, truly hope this Bo Deedle, Mishigas, really genuinely fades to the background because it was just so dark. And I think the thing that was most unnerving is like, we don't even really know what happened with Lil Frankie. Uh, Frankie Jr. It just, there was a lot of conversation that stopped because members of the cast did not want to reveal what happened and likely what happened to them as a result of decisions from maybe other people on those couches. Maybe allegedly, I have literally no idea. And the fact that we didn't actually get the full picture, we got a part of the picture and that picture wasn't um, terribly lovely to hear. It just kind of made me wince a little bit. Although I do remember watching the finale part three, which I guess I did watch live and immediately recording a reaction episode because I was so upset. (laughs) I was like, we need to talk this out. So there we go. Speaking of talking things out, coming in at number 19, Candace and Sarah, also known as me, have a healing journey with Cryangles absolutely required. The moment that I wasn't sure would happen certainly did at Bravo Palooza at BravoCon, where I was able to sit down with Candace and just kind of like have a little bit of a close in the circle moment. Now, it was not a moment she necessarily chose to have because it was at an event where you're kind of like meeting content creators. And, and fans. So it's not like she rang me up, nor should she, <laughs> nor would she. That's like a ridiculous thing to um, consider. I'm sure <laughs> she has not thought of me not once <laughs> since our interactions. And God bless her for that. Honestly, there would be really, truly no need for her to. But I really genuinely, I just appreciated our conversation and our chat. And um, 
And those are those moments where normalize changing your opinion based on new information, normalize, you know, finding a little bit of closure without necessarily having a moment of literal closure. But if you are so lucky to be able to uh, connect with someone and just kind of talk out your feelings and some of those feelings not necessarily being great, I think that's an incredibly positive thing. And at the end of the day, it's like people can agree to disagree with each other about thoughts and feels about behavior, whatever else, if you're still willing to see them as a human person and look at other aspects of their behavior and say, okay, well, they handle this in certain things in a way that I don't love. But there are other things that they that I do love that they do. Um, And I'm unwilling to kind of put my feelings about her in a lockbox and kind of store it away. I'd rather open the box and see what's inside and um, be a little bit more honest and open and um, empathetic, I think, in all the ways that count. So that was a moment that was honestly, these are the Bravo highs and lows, but some of these highs and lows are related to AG and um, Bravo, being a Bravo-holic, all of that and more. Continuing on, I've said continuing on, I think every single time. Coming in at number 18, now that Dorit is in her brunette era, bet on blonde. Dorit is, I think, flailing this season. I don't know. She could she could stay on Beverly Hills for another 15 seasons if they should be so lucky to have that take place. She very well might not be going anywhere, but my instinct is that she will be a friend of next season or maybe not back on the cast. Um, but the thing that is so fascinating to me as Dorit kind of fades into the background, not to say that there aren't conversations taking place about Dorit, but to say that there's not, it doesn't feel like there's a real connection there, or rather a lot of people are carrying storylines in ways that, that she just is not, that might be a, um, just honestly luck that might be editing that might be production storylines what are they going to focus on what's the driving force but I do think Dorit lost something in terms of her interactions with the cast when her relationship with Kyle not became strained but kind of quieted down and I with that happening had that not happened I might not be saying this although honestly I feel like last season I said I don't know if Dorit will be back so maybe this has been something that has seemed like a likelihood for a while but in the meantime my god I know that some people might feel differently about this you have every right to but Erica Jane I mean betting on blonde Erica Jane was having to me a very good season a shockingly good season. She seems to be measured, calm, confident, funny, lighter. Um, I guess all of that would be something people wouldn't necessarily be surprised by, noting the amount of pressure and stress she's been under the last several seasons. Much of that deserved. Um, But I, I just find myself completely completely surprised by how much I'm enjoying her, which is different from wanting someone to remain on the show. You know, you have respect your villains and all of that. But with Erica, I'm like, 
damn, like I'm actually in, I'm loving these moments. I loved her Kiki with um, Sutton and Garcelle. I feel like her, um, obviously in the conversation between Dorit and Garcelle was really appreciative for Erica actually fucking saying something and not staying quiet and looking uh, LOL confused, like some of her members of, uh, like some of the members of her cast. Um, I appreciated her using her voice and I am really curious to see what will happen with her with the rest of the season. I just think she's having like a gangbuster season that feels almost like it would be impossible to exist when you think of the emotion and tension and frustration and anger and upset so many people felt from members of her cast to members of the Bravo community, certainly myself included, about her behavior. I mean, to go from our just disgust at her saying she doesn't give a fuck about anybody but herself to having conversations with her therapist this season, um, known to TV folk as Dr. Jen, about what empathy is and can she Google that online, to actually exhibiting and activating empathy in the moment just as like a gut instinct. Um, it was shocking to see the trajectory of this and the difference in behavior. And um, I, I think it's been great. So um, kudos to Erica for that. Number 17. Again, these are the most important moments um, in the entirety of the history of Bravo in 2023. So obviously, when you think about what was an important moment for Bravo culture in 2023, obviously, number 17 is maybe going to be your number one, which is when um, Chris Manzo guested on Andy's Girls and was never heard from again. I, <laughs> the way the, the delicate dance <laughs> that I did in, in um, the coordinating for that episode, because I didn't want to be like, hey, there's a running thing. <laughs> on this podcast and also my life where I like love this man. You know, you don't really want to include that in a pitch. Um, So I, I have to say in joining that Zoom, uh, which is like family publicist was, al- was also uh, present for who was lovely, lovely. But just kind of joining that Zoom and, uh, Zoom and having to explain when we started recording that like, yeah, this is AG 400. And isn't it crazy that that's not just like a um, accounting error that you happen to be here for such a big number. But the fact that you actually factor into this podcast without you knowing and the fact that I was sent by a good friend of mine, shout out Jackie, when I was um, recovering from my illness as a surprise gift, a, a Chris Manzo pillow, a small pillow. It's not a it's not a life size pillow because he honestly fills the world. But a, a, a smaller Chris Manzo pillow that is in fact the um, pillow um, topped on the uh, the guest chair in the office, so I can see it right now. Chris Manzo looking at me with uh, just a full heart, and um, so that is in fact where the guest sits. I'll say, you know, you sit at the uh, Chris Manzo honorary chair, so people know where to go when they get into the office because it's just such a big space. I mean, where to go? Where do we begin? Um, so just to kind of have that moment with Chris, it felt like a full circle moment. It honestly was like, certainly one of my favorite episodes to record just because to me, just like the, um, 
it, it just was such a full circle moment. It was like, I don't want to call it an LOL because it's it wasn't an LOL, but it, like it was cheeky. It was a cheeky booking, but an incredible episode. And I, I really, really, really appreciated his insights. And I did promise to have him back on taking it personally once I watched Top Chef, which I still have not. <laughs> so I am so many seasons behind Top Chef. I heard last season was great. Top Chef is incredible television, but I just am so far behind. And at that point with everything going on, I think it was like, was it mid-Scandaval maybe? I, I honestly forget. But with everything going on, just with from a content perspective, I was never able to just casually very quickly watch 20 episodes of an hour-long um, cooking competition show. Uh, so maybe that'll happen with next season. I don't know when we're getting that. But um, hopefully he returns. I think he had a um, a pretty okay time. And um, yes, do I know that he is technically in a serious long term relationship? Oh, look, a bird continuing on. Uh, so shout out to Christopher Manzo, because that was a really that was just honestly a, a total delight. And um, I very much appreciated his his humor and understanding. Once I told him, um, LOL, you're kind of, I'm Rosie and you're, you're Tom. Uh, coming in at number 16, Angie K. <laughs> Tank tops <laughs> nod their heads. Shout out, Jessel. Um, has anybody really truly unpacked the ways that many of our emotions toward Angie K have so drastically changed as a result of I don't know, maybe a third of the season moving on. It, it just, <sighs> Angie Kay is such a bright light in this world. And what she had, what she did, the work that she did for our community in that trot, from that where she was just kind of doing like her Angie Kay shuffle, it was a little Angie Kay shuffleboard moment. Like she was just doing her little um, turkey lurkey. It's turkey lurkey time. And Angie Kay is just such a, a, a gift, a, a gift to us. Those $900 Gucci sunglasses, which I Googled just out of absolute curiosity, and I think they're sold out. Sold to whom, I wonder, maybe Angie Kay bought the entirety of the stock. It's hard for me to imagine a world in which people really wear the things that select members of Salt Lake where when filming, it's hard to imagine a world in which people like wear some of that stuff IRL when the cameras go down. But in Angie K's world, the cameras are always there. She's always a star. And the fact that when she was promoted to full time, I remember thinking, you know, I really, really disliked Angie H. But I thought to myself, how interesting that Angie K got this and not Angie Harrington. And P.S. Thank you to the Bravo gods for making that call. But I just remember thinking to myself, like, how is that possible? <laughs> and the season started and I was like, still does not make sense. <laughs> it's still. And I don't want to say it's failing upward. I just want to say that sometimes our emotions for people change. And in the ways that maybe it's not a fair comparison to compare her with uh, Jessel's rise, but Angie Kay is no longer Tribeca. She's no longer up and coming. Angie Kay is the West Village. Angie Kay is Williamsburg, which is, you know, paying a very, very top dollar, possibly well over the amount of money you should be paying for a possibly nice studio space. I mean, she just 
the cost of living to be Angie K has to be astronomical, but it's priceless as well. I love her. I enjoy her. I might adore her. I actually was thinking the other day about the fact that I like think she truly needs to come on Andy's Girls. I would love every moment of it. I want to get to know her on maybe a, a deeper level than what we're seeing, you know, in the trot, which is really the number one thing I'm thinking about. The way we eclipsed from like the churning butter bonnet moment that I saved on my phone to um, the trot is is really the thing that I think about at least once a day. And by once, I mean many, many times. It's the New York one, weather on the ones of things that Angie Kay has accomplished that no one else ever could. And I would genuinely be curious about like having a long form conversation with her. Like, what would that look like? Curious about her experiences, about, I assume, what she has received as maybe a little bit of an adjustment in reception, just in terms of sound of the number of people maybe talking about her, tagging her and stuff. I would love to hear more about that really, really genuinely. So maybe if if I am so lucky, we'll have Angie Kay on an upcoming AG. We will see what happens. Number 15, BravoCon 2023 restores faith in humanity. And yes, Sarah makes the schlep. This was a a true game day decision days before (laughs) arrival in Vegas was uh, when I ultimately confirmed actually attending BravoCon because the cost of attending was was pretty big. (laughs) Um, So thanks to all of you who have supported AG and went to the live show prior, all of that, um, uh, because it really, really, really made the difference in how I was able to attend. And it was a total joy. The fact that this event I was truly, truly dreading because of the Vegas of it all, having never been to Vegas. People love Vegas. I totally understand it. Respect your opinion. It's just not my vibe. And in thinking about what BravoCon Vegas would look like, I was like, well, 2022 at points was like kind of a shit show. I mean, we had a little bit of our own fire fest with the Beverly Hills panel. It was just genuinely a stampede. So what Vegas might look like when you have flown across the country and paid, you know, premium dollar to attend with like hotels and travel. And there's really no dining avail really, truly at all. Um, Unless you want to like go into a casino and pay more money than you would pay to go to the actual place where it exists and probably New York, any number of other cities where it's like the actual dining experience and not this kind of like odd Epcot Center style fine dining where you're still next to you're still inside a casino. So it's like, are you paying for a a chef's tasting next to a slot machine? I mean, you do you, boo. People go and love it. And I love that journey for them. It just was not my journey. So my expectations for 2023, following 2022, which had great, great, great moments, but just was like a little chaotic um, at the Javits Center. It didn't feel like the space was quite right for the spirit of the event everything was resolved and better than I ever could have expected in Vegas. They just really, really hit it out of the park. They did an incredible job. And it was just one of those weekends. I'm so thankful. And I heard from so many EGs who were like, I hope you're going. I'm not able to attend. And, you know, I was really, really focused and invested on being able to go so that I could report back and share with AGs the experience of attending. and. 
I'm so, so thankful to the number of people who reached out, who supported the journey, who said, you know, I really, really hope you can go because that that really, truly inspired me to make the commitment. And I'm so glad I did. So thanks to all of you um, for dealing me with me during that time where every episode I was like, not going. <laughs> chance, probably not. Can't see how that would be in any way realistic or possible. Also, before that time, I had, during that time, I choked on veggie taco. So it's like dealing with the um, $500 copay, which I thought at one point was forgiven and LOL absolutely was not. Uh, Just dealing with all of that, the, the choking on a veggie taco plus Vegas, just those, those unexpected costs. Come out of nowhere. Who would have known an expensive vegetable taco? Shout out mushrooms. But um, so glad I came. Number 14, Monica maybe goes on social media sometimes, maybe. Um, we haven't seen the reunion. I I don't know how this is going to go. It has been sort of devastating for me personally to come to the conclusion over the past week that uh my optimism that maybe this would work out with Monica coming back for her second season is maybe not realistic or possible. That uh, just, I I thought more and more about the ways that she was kept entirely separate from her cast at BravoCon. And listen, some of the women on these franchises like kind of hate each other, but they're able to socialize. They're able to do media together. They understand that it's it's the biz at the end of the day. And even though sometimes these fights and moments of conflict can get really personal, there's also other moments in which you can connect. And the fact that nobody wanted to acknowledge her when it came to her cast members is not a great indicator of where they were at that point in early November. And I don't know when the reunion was filmed, but I guess that was a pretty big indicator that this was much more serious than I could have um, assumed it would be. And it just, I mean, my guess is we don't know anything. I have um, said clearly to like friends um, behind the scenes, I guess is what you would call it. Like, I don't want to know anything. If you know, don't tell me. (laughs) I really, I am that person. I don't love spoilers. I really don't. I want to be able to experience it, even though I'm also the psycho who doesn't watch live. So like make that make sense. Because I inevitably see stuff inadvertently accidentally because I'm the one who makes the choice not to watch live. So I have to kind of deal with some of those consequences. So things aren't ultimately a total surprise. But with all of that being said, I really don't love hearing intel. I'm sort of the opposite of, I guess, maybe a Rinna acolyte in that sense, because I I want to sort of understand if there are splits in the cast and things happening when the show is in production. I might talk about that if I hear it, but I'm not actively looking for it. And um, so with this finale, my guess is obviously we know that the DMs have been a part of questions about that Monica has been raising about whether or not Meredith sent them. I assume that Monica did. The other part of that being um, when it comes to Monica and being, I guess, a content creator, the fact that there is this account that had thousands, I think around 5,000 followers at the time that this went niche viral, um, that there is this content creator account or fan account, Bravo account, um, and Jen Shaw's former assistant posted an 
essentially said with a wink that Monica was behind it. And it was an account that had been dragging members of her cast and and pretty harshly. So if it is, in fact, the case that um, production hired an internet troll <laughs> to join the cast of Salt Lake, I uh, that's not great, probably. It's not great. It is also a first. And so I think it's positive that we're making waves and um, discovering new potential for, I guess, conflict, and maybe not the resolution as the second part of that. But when it comes to new things, I mean, we've had housewives who've gone to camp. We have had housewives who've been at the helm of multi-million dollar frauds and conspiracies. We've had housewives whose husbands end up being the devil. I mean, that's a top 30 on it. That's a top 31. So um, with Monica, I mean, I don't know that we have experienced this. Certainly offline, there were questions about Lisa Rinna last season and that account, I think it was called like Woke Stan or something on Twitter and questions of whether or not Lisa was maybe behind it. I don't even remember where things left that. It was just this ongoing kind of hot goss style thing. It absolutely is entirely possible that it wasn't Lisa Rinna. Like the idea of Lisa Rinna running an anonymous Twitter account is funny. (laughs) It's just like, what does that because you you should I think ideally be thinking how would this person have the time that like is ludicrous it makes no sense she's one of the stars of one of the top rated outside franchises and it's also like yeah it's it's possible though it's her <laughs> it's possible in between diaper commercials that um she was looking for shit in other ways um so with Monica sweet Monica I I it makes me sad I think she was still good casting but Oh, listen, to be a member of the Shaw Squad requires such a leap of faith from the perspective, I would think, of like morality and ethics, not only of how surely Jen is treating you while you're under her voluntary employee, but um, but also what are the things that you're picking up on or what are the things that have always existed in you that are strengthened? are rewarded. I don't know. It might be totally unrelated to Jen, who was also, well, Jen at least owned her name when she was saying terrible things about her cast and her cast account. I don't know that that's something to be proud of um, when it comes to being cruel, but I'm guessing this is a part of it. And also haven't even mentioned the lawsuit, Beauty Lab. I don't know how much of a factor that is in what Heather finds out in that phone call versus stuff that's come out since. Also, who is delivering this information to her is going to be very important as well. Um, And all the cast reactions, my God. So Monica, is she coming back? I don't know. It's weird to think of her as one and done, but also it's equally weird to think of her returning to the cast because it feels like there's just genuinely no way to move forward. And while I like to see the cast unified, um, it is to me unfortunate that the unification is like against Monica, but it's deserved, I think. Sorry, apologies. Jalo means hello, goodbye, and peace. Uh, number 13, thank you, you're welcome. So many moments with Denise when it came to her jacket being upside down, her looks, that dinner party from hell that I think lived up to its name and reputation as a part of the trilogy, a la Scream. And I I just really, the moment that really stayed with me, honestly, my favorite moment of the night was, um, thank you, you're welcome. It just was so 
funny to me and and absurd. There was some absurdist humor taking place at that dinner um, in a variety of ways. And I appreciate it. And I just want to say, 2023, thank you. You're welcome. Coming in at number 12, Lindsay and Carl would rather soup than sandwich. I mean, listen, something about her. I really genuinely, as said earlier in this episode, do believe that Lindsay should be there day one. I think that would be an incredible tie-in and an incredible collab. So um, Ariana, Katie, Lindsay, or really sandwiches anywhere, if you're listening, the sandwich is yet to be born. Um, Let's make that happen, shall we? I think that would be a wonderful, wonderful collab. And did I find out that Lindsay and Carl were truly officially broken up while um, recording Indie Scrolls? Yes, I did. Did I shout so loudly that I actually don't even know that you can hear it in the episode? A hundred percent while recording with, I believe, BBDB. It was a moment I still feel a sense of shock. Um, and my God, that press cycle is going to be wild. That press cycle is going to be wild in the run-up to Summer House. So we'll see how it goes. It, it, it feels like it was such a shocking event, but I honestly think better. It's a hard thing to maybe hear if you're Lindsay, but I think she, I think as time has gone on, she certainly likely, I think, certainly likely, lol, um, definitely maybe appreciates it more, which is better that this if if it needs to end better, and if, if it ended, it probably needed to, ultimately, even if it was entirely not in your control, that better that it happened before you got married and signed that legal contract and then had to go through all of that than not. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of thoughts and feels about Carl's decision to onboard filming and to have them film that moment, which is so tough. I mean... His allegiance to, I guess, his job versus production versus Lindsay. Some of those are in conflict for such a difficult moment, but we also haven't seen those episodes. We don't know how maybe tough their relationship had gotten, how the wedding stresses were affecting them, how they were talking to each other about their future potentially. Who's to say? We have no idea. So, uh, gosh, make Summer House something on maybe many of our minds. Um, I don't even remember when it's premiering, but uh, I am curious to see how this will go down. Number 11. She won't bring sprinkle cookies again because their relationship is donezo. Tree huggers and Gorgita crunches everywhere. Feign shock. Now, I know there were a lot of people who were like, I'm over the most recent episode of New Jersey. I don't like it. I don't want to continue watching it or I'm not enjoying these episodes. It's such a downer, yada, yada, yada. I assumed, big assumption, that in watching these episodes, that it was because we knew the end of this, that there was a seemingly some sort of permanent fracture between Teresa and Melissa, I assumed that it would be impossible for the show to continue on with both of them after the season completed, just looking to the future. And I do think that impacted how I watched the show. Because to me, there was like a little bit of a tension in like, okay, we've seen how many seasons of their coming together, falling apart, coming one step forward, 35 steps back, that to me felt like this was a little bit of the circle completing just in terms of okay, they've made this decision, you know, Joe and Melissa are going one way, Teresa is going another now with Louie, with her supporting her. And I don't think that we're going to see this again in the ways that we have for the 
past several years with both women in the cast. And first off, obviously, I was wrong. But also, I think noting that that could have impacted the ways that I was watching this with like a lot of interest um, and kind of taking the temperature in the room that this might be the end of this. I genuinely think it was a good season. Have I rewatched it since it aired? No, but I haven't really done that with a whole lot of stuff um, because I watch each season usually each episode before recording, usually twice when there are four franchises on air at one time that makes things difficult. Um, But when it comes to going back, I don't know that I'm necessarily going back to the direct season prior if I'm thinking about doing a rewatch. I'll probably go back to a middle season or do a couple reunion cycles or maybe something early. Um, So I haven't seen the most recent season since it aired. But I really, really genuinely enjoyed it, noting that I felt just absolute fury at the reunion part three. I was just I was just filled with so much rage about Louis's behavior, about bringing security, about all the darkness. I just hated it. And um, I hated what it was doing to the cast. I hated seeing them uncomfortable and not able to communicate the reality of or, or at least more details of what was happening. I just it was to me, very tough to watch. And um, and also I'm a Gorgita Crunch, but I'm open and I I am I want to see Teresa in a good place. I really, really do. And so that I'm sure had an impact on the feeling that I had in watching, but I also genuinely think it was a solid season. And so here we are. They don't seem to factor a lot into the plot for the upcoming season, excepting the fact that this whole Jackie thing, I don't know how much of that is going to be included in this season. I know that there's some sort of fracture, I guess, between her and Marge, maybe dealing with her book. Obviously, she and Melissa have fallen out. How much of that features Jackie versus how much of it features and Jackie making the decision to be like heavily team tree? How much of that is featured in the plot versus featured in the plot and, you know, a press tour feature versus just the press tour where like maybe cast members are asked about it? I don't know. I don't know what the season will look like as far as um, storyline priorities and um, and I'm interested to see how it goes. I'm interested to see what group dynamics are going to look like with Teresa and Melissa seemingly not acknowledging each other um, as being in the room. So, <sighs> I mean, shout out Sprinkle Cookies. Topic of conversation on the last AG. I do love them. I, I am trash. So to sprinkle cookies everywhere. And yes, I do um, also enjoy a stale sprinkle cookie. What can I tell you? I just, I don't even know. I don't know if it's because I've had jobs in the food service industry and you just get really used to having like something lukewarm after you've, you know, worked your tables that you have in your like section or whatever. I, I, I can't tell you. I'm not quite sure. But um, it's it was a big moment. It's a big moment in history. And we'll see if they ever come back to each other in the future. I don't I, I have a guess of how that might happen. Um, I think others can kind of think of it and visualize it if they would so <laughs> like to. I don't know that Bo Deedle is needed for that. Um sort of daydreaming scenario to take place. But uh, I guess we'll see what the what the season looks like. But I am in the mi- minority on this. I really did enjoy last season. Number 10. Craig, Madison, and Olivia are my new holy trinity. I mean, I cannot further state 
be more emphatic about what this season of Southern Charm is doing to me, my love and affection for Craig, my pride in Olivia being able to communicate and like sit in her rage certainly toward Austin. And and not only in the episodes that we're seeing, but at BravoCon, that Southern Charm panel, I think I put it up as a reel. You can see it on my IG, I believe. But I mean, she was, she dragged him pretty heavily at one point, obviously absolutely deserved. And I just love to see it. And I love Madison in her position right now with her hot husband. And I'm so curious what that's going to look like in a couple years. Like, will he still be coming back and forth from, I think, California? Or is he going to move to Charleston? Or will she move to California? Who knows? Who I think that would probably be difficult with her custody situation with her son and her ex. But who's to say? Southern Charm is giving me literally everything I need. And Craig a vision, a dream, a king. Um, I do have to say, maybe connected to this, that um, AGs have historically named my fish sons, um, Archie Bador, and then PK uh, Kemsley Galley, also known as Paul Kemsley Kemsley Galley. And I did get a, a DM from someone who I think had listened to the Taking It Personally Southern Charm episode, the most recent one, because I've done a couple about Southern Charm, and made a suggestion for uh, my future um, fish son who has not yet been adopted, that adoption process has not begun. I haven't started construction on his um, future five and a half gallon tank. I don't think I can go larger than that because he would then require his own bedroom. And who even is he at this point? Um, but I, I did get sent an idea for a fish son name. And, you know, at his bris, I am going to be so excited to announce it to Instagram. Um, so look forward to that soon. And Craig Conover, I mean, a dream, a total dream, a dream boat, doing a great job, a stellar performance on Southern Charm. Can you imagine what that reunion is going to look like? It is going to be so nuts. I can't wait. Number nine, Google Translate wishes it was Meredith Marks. If I want to go for the jugular and talk about this crap, the rumors, the nastiness about her, oh, I can do that. You want me to go there with her husband? I can do that. Don't you mess with me. You tell her to back off. Meredith Marks having her own Lisa Barlow-esque throwing off the mic bathroom monologue, except it's in front of people in a restaurant using a, a, her own special, unique language, one of several that she seemed to be translating, maybe not to herself, but I guess to all of us in real time. Rumors. I mean, rumor. we all have our different way of communicating, dreaming, and um, just connecting on some of those words when it when it comes from Meredith Marks. It really lands in an inter interesting international way. She is an international lifestyle brand. Her accent or her accent work is what Sonia tells us her business is like. And I love that. Number eight, Sheena's nails can't form a fist. <laughs> and Scandaval content covered it all. The number of VPR alum or existing cast member podcasts that I listened to, the number of articles that I read, the number of episodes that I recorded, the appreciation that I felt for the fact that this was running conversation 24-7 and the countdown to the finale episode, let alone the reunion cycle, was at a fevered pitch I don't remember us expressing before. What a time to be alive. And I'm so thankful. I mean, the fact that Lala was able to put a a, a deposit uh, down on her um, 
what is it, Palm Desert or whatever house based on the sales for her send it to Daryl sweats, uh, sweatshirts, which I have because I heard from several AGs who were like, it's great quality, super comfy. I got it. Totally agree. I don't know if she'll ever do some kind of like promo sale or if it's full price still because I mean, the time has passed a little bit on buying, I think, some of that merch, but it's it's well worth every dollar. It's it's maybe the best quality that I have seen for um, any kind of a Bravo related business specific to being from a Bravo lab, because we know that there are shopkeepers and content creators in the Bravo world who do phenomenal stuff at incredible, incredible heights of quality. Um, but when it comes to some of the, those Bravo labs, often the joke is like, you know, just sort of the order receipt or, but you know, like the, the, the design on the shirt, but not the shirt itself. Her stuff is genuinely, um, really good. So kudos to her for that. And to Sheena's nails for not forming a fist because any number of posts were inspired by that moment. Um, the coming in at number 10, the Real Housewives of New York reboot actually reboots Real Housewives of New York. Who would have thought that the reboot would actually work out. I think there was like hope wrapped in tension, wrapped in a bacon wrap scallop about how New York was going to go and they definitely delivered. And I had heard, you know, word on the street was that it was going to be soft, like a really, really soft landing. And I don't know if that was to just kind of get our expectations maybe lower in which to exceed them, or if this genuinely took folks at um, HQ by surprise how much we enjoyed it. But I think many of us really, really did. And the fact that we now have legacy so we can see our OG spiritual and otherwise and also have new New York, it's the best of both worlds. It really, really is. I think this is working out in a way that makes me incredibly happy. Number nine, Married to Medicine is still that girl. If you are not watching Married to Medicine, what are you even doing with your life? And yes, you do ideally need to start with season one because you will not understand the history, the dynamics, the tension in season 10 with Quad and the rest of her cast without appreciating the great American history that is married to Med 1 through 9. I can't stop talking about the season 5 reunion as the best reunion cycle of any reunion cycle on bravotv.com. And there's a very um, uh, detailed, deep, nuanced, taking it personally, this coming week, welcome to 2024, about Married to Med because she deserves it, because she's incredible. She's amazing. Her rating should be higher. More people should be watching it. Her next BravoCon panel needs to be standing room only, sold the fuck out, because it is the best show on Bravo. It's important. They are talking about real issues. The stakes couldn't be higher. It's truly about people's relationships, not just with members of their cast, but their own internal lives, families, husbands, partners, all of that. It's giving you everything you need. And they are some of the funniest ladies on Bravo to say nothing of their partner's husbands. But my God, the fact that I just laugh my ass off every single week and watch it. Watch it while the season is currently airing. I'm sure that will help it with, you know, like ratings, whatever, yada, yada. Just watch it. Watch Married to Med. 
Number eight, name them, 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 name them. I don't know if I said that 10 times, but I spiritually intended to. And I mean, it's the moment. It's the moment. It's one of the top moments from 2023. It is such a top moment that it came in at number eight. And I do think I fucked up. (laughs) I'm just looking, you guys, some of these numbers when I was like put because I had some ideas and I was putting them in order. And I'm just seeing because I think I was kind of playing with my phone a little bit or something that the numbers got out of order. So at a certain point, what was 30, I think I was just playing with my phone, it started entering, became 40. So you might have noticed that some of the numbers didn't make sense throughout the recording of this hour plus episode. And it's because my phone had, I guess, a case of the Mondays and decided to press enter. So I apologize. (laughs) I'm sorry, that's so funny. I apologize for the fact that... (laughs) Only me. Can you imagine if I was like, I guess I'm going to re-record it. That would never happen here. So that was, um, if you could see my phone, I will um, screenshot this and and put it on social when the app goes up because I go from one, three, four, five, eight, but because I'm reading it from the end to the beginning and I'm not seeing what's happening. You don't, you understand how numbers work. It just, it's it was out of order. Um, apologies for that. So, <laughs> so that was actually number five. But in my phone, in my notes app, it says it's number eight. Anyway, um, name them, I guess, is what my phone was doing with name more numbers. <laughs> number four. I mean, what is there to say? It was an iconic moment. It was very funny. Coming in at number four, which my phone has as number five, Shannon goes for a, a late night walk with Archie Bador. Guys, don't drink and drive. I mean, don't do it. There are so many Ubers. I know that Shannon went on Bravo's, like sort of Bravo's official podcast. I think it's called Hot Mike. I might be getting that wrong. So apologies. I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but I absolutely intend to because I want to hear Shannon long form where she talks about the fact that she's embarrassed and, you know, thinks at night about how she could have impacted someone's life and the amount of people she could have uh, potentially injured or worse. It's just, just don't, just, just don't drink and drive. But um, that's the number one. That's like the number one through 10, but my phone would call it probably one, seven, 15, 30. But um, also on top of that, the fact that after Shannon drove into somebody's house with poor, poor sweet Archie Bador in the car, she took Archie out of the car to pretend that she was going for a walk like late at night after driving into somebody's house. Like, can you imagine the visual when the police show up and they see Shannon Bador just walking sweet, sweet Archie Bador like nothing has happened? Oh, whose car is that? That's in, you know, concrete. Oh, ma'am, are you related to this car? Oh, no, you're just walking your dog? Okay, carry on. Have a great one. Like, it's just... Shannon, poor sweet Chan. It's she's gonna have a tough season. The John Jansen stuff, the Alexis stuff. She's she's gonna be talking about this. I don't know what's gonna happen with her and Gina. Maybe they'll be able to. Shannon will have more of an understanding of what Gina experienced, and and 
Oy, oy vey. It was a wild moment. I, I just the number of people, honestly, understandably so, who reached out to me <laughs> that day and in the days to come and were like, you were the first person I thought of. <laughs> when poor sweet Shan drove into somebody's car, I did tell her at BravoCon that she was a phoenix rising from the ashes. And then we talked about her wellness retreat that she w- had been on that weekend. And she said, you should DM me. And I was like, LOL. Yeah, I've never done that before. <laughs> definitely will. And have I DM'd her since? Yes. And has she acknowledged those messages? No. And I love her and I want the best for her. And I hashtag stand for Shan. And I also hashtag standing calling for an Uber if you, um, you know, just as as often as possible, honestly, regardless, but also never uh, ever drinking and driving because that puts you in danger. That puts unknown, you know, an untold number of people in danger. Also, let us not forget Archie Bador. Um, I think she learned some very complicated uh, lessons and is likely facing some complicated, harsh truths as a result of that. And is, I'm sure that will be a part of the upcoming season. And I don't even understand what's happening with her and Tamara's relationship right now. <sighs> so it's like, who does Shannon have support from when it comes to the actual members of the cast? If Vicky's not back, I don't know what that's going to look like. So we'll see. Coming in at my what my phone says is number four, but is in fact number three, because now that I'm at the top part of this, I can see the numbers clearly not being in order. Bethany's reality reckoning possibly wrecks Bethany. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I... I don't know how this is working out for her right now. I think she had high expectations and hopes that were maybe growing higher as she recalibrated her expectations and maybe goal with this from an from a TikTok video and a reel or whatever to a seemingly spiritually organized possible union campaign. Um, are are there things that she's talking about that are incredibly important and absolutely valid? Yes, 100%. Is this also an absolute ego trip media campaign where even the show notes for her episodes and AG sent me a screenshot of one of her episode show notes that was like, and I talk about this and this and the Vanity Fair article about me, <laughs> which I get what she's saying, but fuck. If you need to read, it, I, I would encourage you to read the single best work um, of any kind of deep dive mirror examination of a Bravo Leb soul that is that New York Magazine piece um, that I've talked about ad nauseum featuring uh, Bethany Frankel and her uh, invention, also known as um, cottage cheese. Because in case you didn't know, she she's a cottage cheese influencer. And I do a dramatic reading. So if you are behind a paywall for New York Mag, and you know we support journalism, but if you are behind a paywall for New York Mag, I do have a dramatic reading of the entire piece on the AG Patreon. And it was one of the biggest joys of my life was to read that piece out loud because it is such a fantastic look and critique at who Bethany is, what she's trying to do, how she is viewing her own universe and her control of everyone else's. Um, it's, it's a really fascinating look and I don't know where she is now, but you better believe I still follow her on social and probably always will. Coming in at number two, which my phone recognizes as number three, because again, what are numbers? Uh, Kyle and Mauricio's marriage, formerly a seventh wonder of the world, becomes an artifact. 
Who would have thought that this could ever happen, especially when you consider that they survived and almost thrived in seasons in which maybe Mauricio's fidelity or questions about how their dynamics are going were a huge part of season plot and drama and conflict. I mean, BCC, LVP, and Brandy, those magazine covers um, that allegedly Brandy was encouraged to bring with her to schlep on a cast trip. It's, it is somewhat surprising that it only now has this become such a huge rupture in the Bravo community because it just to many of us felt inexplicable at this point that there are certain marital institutions related to Bravo Lab, certainly related to housewives that feel like they are too big to fail. And you can look at a divorce as a failure. You can also just look at a divorce as just the end of a chapter in a person's life. And maybe not all people are meant to be together forever and ever. Amen. It does not mean that their marriage, while they were together, maybe for a large part of it, was not an incredible success. I mean, that's really between the two of them at the end of the day. But it is to say that I assume Kyle and Mauricio, who P.S. have not filed for divorce. This is a separation. We don't know what's going to happen, although my instinct is that they will probably, I don't see a world in which they return to being like romantic partners. That doesn't mean they end up getting divorced. They could potentially stay legally married, but not live as husband and wife in the ways they did for so long. Um, or the ways that we believe they did for so long, I guess, is also a potentially accurate statement, um, albeit a more nuanced one. Welcome to AG. Um, so it just became something that was insurmountable. And it, it, I think it's something that Kyle has also discussed. Obviously, this was her decision. I don't think that is shocking to people who are watching this season. And it's just I still, honestly, even in saying this out loud, I am still shocked. I really am at this point that their separation became real. I remember when the rumors started in the spring, I was like this, I, I I really didn't believe a lot of what was being discussed. I thought it was just gossip or rumor speculation or something. I really, really genuinely didn't believe it. And, um, and then they, they had their, they had their breakup. I mean, they had that um, Independence Day, July 3, I think it was, or somewhere in early July, just kind of reveal drop that they were separating and it's just a shock. I'm wondering what that BH post separation announcement filming pickup episode is going to look like, what the reunion is going to look like. It is to me, it continues to be wild. It's not undeserved when it comes to where these people are in their lives and them making, you know, taking their own paths and no longer being on the same path together. Um, so in light of the current episodes, I completely I can completely appreciate and understand why this is happening. I'm not like negating the decision itself or the reality that maybe this needed to happen. It's just it's just when I think of Kyle and Mauricio no longer being together, I'm carrying with me over a decade of watching them and my relationship to watching their relationship and how I viewed their relationship for so long. Um, not to say that there weren't complications or issues. They are human people after after all. And certainly, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff we don't even know about that hasn't even been speculated that's occurred because they do also have their interior private life. Um, but fuck, 
it's just, it continues to, it's just one of those things. And you, you guys know, I know it's complicated, but Kyle's in my top five. And uh, sometimes she's on probation and oftentimes, honestly, lately, but um, I want the best for her. I want the best. For, I can't even say I want the best for me. So I want the best for Kyle. And, um, and I did post something the other day because there's this like wild fucking video of him having his own like rum springa or whatever in Aspen. And I posted and was like, can you believe that we once believed that Mauricio was like the fucking shit? Not to say that he isn't very attractive. He obviously is. But I just remember thinking like, oh, Mauricio. I remember Kyle used to clench as any I think any spouse would when there's so much attention on your uh, the other spouse's like fuckability. <laughs> I would I would certainly be territorial about that um, if I was in her position. But it's just the way that our, I think some of our opinions have changed about him. I don't know. He's kind of dopey at points in, in ways I'm like not really into. But um, oh my God, here we are arriving at what does my phone say when it comes to what number this is? Oh, it did in fact stay on number one. So there we go. It's just this is honestly just really funny to me that um, the numbers are so, so nuts. Unless I added, yeah, I, some of the numbers are missing. So I apologize. I don't know how many numbers were on this list. I don't know how this worked. I really, really don't. So I apologize. Um, I'm going to have to, I'm not even going to do, I was going to put the title of this episode as like top whatever moments. I really don't, I can't do that. I don't know how many, what the numbers are. <laughs> this does feel so consistent for Andy's girls. That at the very tail end of this five minute episode, that's going to be absolutely over an hour 40 that I'm like, wait, the math isn't mapping. <laughs> this is, this is, you know, hashtag girl math. This is hashtag AG math. <laughs> it's like something's gone wrong. Okay. Coming in at number one, this is going to be a big shock to everybody. <laughs> I know, what could it be? I mean, what has not been discussed? Coming in at number one, Sandoval and Ariana consciously uncouple. I mean, come on. What more can we say? It was fucking nuts. It was. I still remember that day. Dylan and I had recorded in the office like a, a full episode about God only knows what was happening at that time in Bravo AG Housewives history. We stopped recording and then he checked his phone, I guess. I, this is burned in my brain, but also the details I don't totally remember and said something along the lines of like Tom and Ariana broke up and did at that point. Yeah. And Tom was fucking... Rachel, then known as Raquel. And I just was like, what? And then <laughs> I, we didn't process it. Like I, as soon as I usually stop recording an episode, I'm immediately starting to put away the tech. And I had been starting to put away the tech. It's just something that I do just automatically when I'm done recording to get it back in order in the office. Um, But I just unpacked everything and was just like, here we go. We're going to record. So we recorded a Patreon because there was no way to just add that on as a supplement to the episode and not have it be absolutely nuts. And so he was reading me, I think it was the TMZ piece, whatever it was. Um, and I was processing it as he said it. Literally, he found out, checked his phone. We started recording again and recorded a Patreon that I wonder how that holds up with the information we knew that day in that moment and our reactions to that versus now, um, 17,000 years later, uh, truly like a century of content later, what has changed in our kind of guttural instinct and how much of that has lined up, not just with like the 
reality of what's taken place since, but also just with our own maybe kind of ebbs and flows of our feelings about the scandal, about the fallout from the scandal, about the fallout to the fallout from the scandal, and about what the fuck is going to happen with Vanderpump Rules season 11. And my God, that um, Patreon up where I um, do a live reaction to the trailer, I absolutely had to do the trailer twice. I was like, we're watching this a second time. <laughs> or rather you're listening to me watching it a second time because there was a lot there to unpack. But I will never get over the feeling that I had. And it continued for days and then got worse and worse as more information came out. And was it was a wild, it's honestly incredible time to be a content creator because we had the ability, I was so fortunate, thanks to Andy's Girls, to have the ability to really, truly talk it out with people who've become really, really close friends and with new guest co-hosts. I mean, I think no no stone was unturned. I think the number one episode from Andy's Girls last year, I'm sure it's the top five, are all Vanderpump Rules, Scandal-related apps because it was something that many of us were, I mean, many, 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 many people were obsessed with um, finding out folks outside of the Bravo community, trying to understand, you know, in the words of our favorite Scandal journalist, what is a Sheena? So, it just was a it was a genuinely wild wild time and um one that i don't i i have to kind of be honest and be like i i don't want it to be repeated i just think it was so nuts um but i sort of have to tell you i i prefer an affair to um federal crimes that are bankrupting grandpas all over so um certainly would prefer Scandal to the shot and fraud, but uh, I it was it was just a nuts time, and it it was one that I I do apologies to Ariana and those affected, but I look back on and I'm just like so appreciative for our community because since since we have this fluency of the language that we all speak, our ability to meme the fuck out of this and obsess every single moment of the day over it and respect each other's obsession and not question or mock it. I think for the vast majority of Bravoholics understood that or, or, or felt that way rather and, and completely understanding people who did not uh, agree with what I just said. You have every right to. Um, it just was, a, it was a, honestly, it was a renaissance time. It was an incredible time to be a Bravoholic. It felt like, yeah, now we, now, not that we needed validation from people outside the community, but I won't turn it down. So just a, a crazy, crazy time. What a crazy, crazy year. I know the year itself has been a fucking shit show for so many people, including many people listening. And this is the time in which I want to say, speaking of hashtag girl math, I still can't get over that the numbers were probably fogged up. So I'm so sorry for that. <laughs> it's so 2023. I do want to say as we close off the year, this being the last AG classic of 2023 with another Patreon episode to drop before the ball does at midnight. Um, how thankful I am to each and every one of you for listening, for your support, for your supportive messages um, to Pet Shop Boy for me, for in encouraging me to block people. <laughs> more often. Maybe that's my resolution for 2024. Really, truly um, cannot thank you enough. When I think of the things that I have been able to do as a result of Andy's Girls, the things that I've been able to do with Andy's Girls, just in having these conversations, having back and forths, having big disagreements and maybe big moments of connection and moments of vulnerability. You know that I don't believe in guilty pleasures um, and 
And I have such a renewed appreciation for joy because joy can be sometimes critical self-care and escape with so much darkness everywhere to just say, I am going to watch Southern Charm and attempt to laugh. You know, that is a gift and a literal privilege in every single way. And um, so I'm thankful and appreciative to have the opportunity. Thanks to all of you for listening, for continuing this fucking show. Can you believe 500 is like literally tomorrow? Although, you know, according to hashtag AG math, maybe it already happened. (laughs) I don't even know. Um, but I'm so thankful to all of you. Thanks to all of the Patreon uh, AG supporters who have been such a critical part of me being able to focus on content creation and focus on recording these episodes. The fact that I've recorded 7,000 this week, um, I'm able to do that because of the AG Patreon and because of all of you for listening. So if you would like to sign up for the AG Patreon, there are new episodes up about uh, the VPR live reaction, um, thoughts on the most recent Miami and Ultimate Girls trip. And there is going to be a special New Year's Eve edition released before the drop of the bow uh, at New Year's Eve, which is tonight, if you're listening to this. I mean, the day it drops, mazel dev, mazel of the day to you. Also, P.S. are Andy and Anderson going to be drinking? Um, do we do we know yet if they're going to be turtle timing? Like, what's the journey upon us? The president of CNN was fired this past year after that crazy fucking article about you can just Google that. It's a, it's a why was it in the Atlantic? I forget. I'm, I'm now just speaking out loud, which I'm pretending I haven't been doing for the last six hours in recording this episode. It's a nuts, nuts, nuts article. So highly encouraged that you just like Google Chris something CNN. <laughs> It's the Atlantic. Um, but anyway, I think he was one of the big forces, but behind Andy and Anderson having, you know, green tea or whatever last year. So we'll see what happens when the they drop the ball. And you know what? My phone's notes app maybe dropped the ball a little bit in the um the math, the, the little bit of the countdown. But um as we look forward to 2024, I hope you have all had a Happy, healthy, restful year. I hope for a year that brings us all of the opportunity to continue to connect with each other, to continue to have these conversations that you are finding moments in which to, you know, consider and prioritize your own self-care. I hope that you have moments in which to acknowledge your own contributions to this conversation, Lord knows, to the world itself. Um, but just know that I appreciate you and um I'm so thankful to all the AGs. Anyway, follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley. Uh, maybe I'll do some threads. Who's to say? <laughs> Same handle there. And again, AG Patreon, patreon.com slash Girls. Look to the Instagram for that little holiday card contest. More info there. And thank you again. Happy New Year. I hope it's one filled with hopefully a lot of light. All right, guys. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon. Happy 2024. Good night.